0: Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast, brought to you by the team at Vegan Food and Living, UK's best-selling vegan magazine. I'm Holly Johnson, and each Tuesday, I get together with my colleague Molly Pickering to share what we've been eating, what's got us thinking, and the new products that are worth trying. And don't miss our Thursday podcast, where we chat to some of the leading names in veganism. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, We'd love it if you hit the subscribe button as it helps us to rate in the charts. It also means you'll be alerted to every new episode of your favourite podcast. If you're anything like me, life can quickly become chaotic and finding fresh and nutritional vegan recipes can become another thing to add to the to-do list. Our best-selling magazine, Vegan Food and Living, is on hand to help. You can join us today and try an issue for just 99p by visiting veganfoodandliving.com forward slash podcast or using code podcast when you order with us. You'll not only receive the magazine to your door, but also have access to thousands of plant-based recipes at your fingertips in our digital magazine archive, which is fully searchable and simple to use. Join us today and make cooking delicious vegan food that bit more exciting by visiting veganfoodandliving.com forward slash podcast. For today's episode, I'm joined by Louise Palmer Masterton, who is founder of the restaurant chain Stem & Glory. Um, Hi, Louise, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, thanks, Solly. So do you want to start by sort of telling everyone a bit about yourself and, and what led you to go vegan? (laughs)
1: okay it's a long time ago now um so yeah I mean I I guess I'm one of those people I mean I think it goes two ways with turning vegan it's either an instant moment or it's a long and gradual process so but with me it was in an instant um I was a teenager and a friend of mine at the time um introduced me to the idea of compassionate eating and I was kind of never really thought about it before and as soon as I thought about it that was it bang changed forever so I gave up eating meat on the spot when I was late teens uh, and I never looked back and that was a long time ago now
0: yeah so you would you class yourself as sort of one of those old school vegans <laughs> before it became trendy
1: <laughs> yeah the word old is very appropriate in my case well yeah I mean I mean you know to be fair, that you know, at that time, I mean, my friend who introduced me to compassionate eating, he was part of the Krishna movement, actually. and The whole kind of vegetarian, as it was seen around that time, was is, it was very much, it was a kind of hippie scene, but it's always been there. You know, it's, it's always been there and the vegan scene's always been there as well. But obviously it's grown a lot now. It's much, much bigger.
0: Yeah, you must have seen some crazy big changes over the last however many years um I'm sort of four years in so I joined a bit late to the party but I'm trying to make up for it now
1: (laughs) Uh, well it's never too late to join (laughs) exactly
0: yeah um so what led you to found um stem and glory then I've been looking at the menu today and I must admit it's making me very hungry the food looks amazing
1: yeah I mean I think I mean from when I be I mean I always enjoyed cooking actually even when I was quite young but um obviously being a a vegan many, many years ago, obviously you kind of needed to cook because there was nothing, (laughs) you you wouldn't eat very well if you were out in restaurants at that time. So I guess it all started from a love of cooking. And I've also traveled, I've been fortunate enough to spend quite a significant time in in, um, Asia, for example. And I've just loved uh, the kind of global cuisines you know i mean you know we're lucky there's so much i mean even from a vegan perspective there's so much inspiration in places like asia and so i just kind of accumulated this fascination really for cooking plant-based foods and and i guess in terms of restaurants i i've always tried to find vegan food in restaurants obviously um with varying degrees of success and although it is even easier now it's still not that easy to find decent vegan food actually so I guess Stem and Glory was the ultimate culmination of that very long-term search for a decent vegan restaurant.
0: Yeah there's a lot of sort of plant-based burgers and chips going on in the pubs at the moment isn't there it's like not another burger.
1: (laughs) Yeah I mean obviously they have their place particularly in converting people towards plant-based food but yeah that's not what we're about at Stem and Glory we're about that kind of delicious from on the healthier end of the spectrum but still delicious
0: yeah I think one of the items was um Korean fish tacos, tacos. yeah oh, I mean that's, um... actually,
1: that's actually my favorite dish on our menu at the moment it's, it's a flavor bomb if you get a chance to try it definitely yeah. go for it
0: yeah well we must come to London and visit one of the restaurants um so I thought today we'd have a bit of a fun Q&A um and sort of go back to basics for anyone sort of new to veganism or anyone you know we all get asked these questions don't we when we turn vegan we get them thrown at us and and sometimes you kind of you start to question yourself because you think well I don't know the answer and maybe they're right so I thought we'd go over like the meat eaters most asked questions um are you up for it
1: sure (laughs) yeah why not
0: so number one humans are meant to eat meat
1: (laughs) um yeah, no, change the. You need to reframe that question really. Humans don't need to eat meat. Um, it's my view that if you don't need to eat meat, why would you eat meat? We don't have to eat meat. We're not made to eat meat. We can eat meat. We're omnivorous, which means we can eat anything, um, but we're definitely not carnivores and we do not need to eat meat therefore we shouldn't eat meat in my view
0: yeah especially in this day and age where you know it's just not necessary is it well
1: well, exactly but that's my my main point with that and I think coming back to compassionate eating it's like if you have a choice between eating by killing something and eating by not you know why wouldn't you take that compassionate choice it makes absolute perfect sense to me on every single level
0: yeah definitely Um, Number two, what's wrong with drinking cow's milk? Cows need to be milked.
1: (laughs) Oof, there's a big subject there. Cows do not (laughs) need to be milked other than their own offspring. That's the only time. I mean, you know, the dairy industry, I mean, obviously it's life and death, isn't it, whether you eat flesh, but the dairy industry is so problematic on so many levels and the lives that those cows lead are just awful. Um, you know, there's nothing natural about the process of the milk that you receive in the supermarket. Um, it's so far removed from the actual milk that comes from a cow for its offspring. It's just the whole thing. I mean, and, and it's true with with meat as well. It is it's it's the market that's driven this this way. You know, um, and price and and all of that, and availability, and yeah, consumption is out of control, really um so well cows do not need to be milked first of all um nothing will happen to a cow if you stop milking it <laughs> it's like with humans you, you feed your baby your baby stops feeding from you your milk dries up eventually so it's just a natural part of the thing you know but yeah but yeah i mean i i, I if i think about those cows and what's done to them—artificially impregnated, their calves are taken away from them. I mean, it's just awful. I would urge you, if you're still asking that question, <laughs> that that you actually delve into what actually goes on in the milk industry.
0: Yeah, I think there's a new film coming out, isn't there? And is it a New Zealand-based one called Milked? Have you heard of that?
1: No, I haven't. I, there's something around at the moment, though. I think definitely yeah. it's, been, it's been in the news. I've seen some posts on social media. Yeah. And so
0: yeah. Um, okay. This, the classic where do you get your protein from oh. and what about iron <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: my favorite one now I've written many articles on that the protein <laughs> myths so so yeah the, the, the thing is um I mean I'll try and summarize because it is quite a big subject um and it, it you know we were meat and two veg I mean you're younger than me obviously but my, my parents generation that was the diet in the UK so you're, you're used to having this lump of protein on a plate and then the veg around but you see the reality is that you, if you eat meat or dairy, you're getting what's called a, a complete protein. Um, it contains all of the essential amino acids. But what's not widely understood is that you don't have to eat complete protein from one source. It doesn't have to be a bit of meat on a plate, for example. Um, and as long as you combine your protein sources well, uh, you will get all of the full spectrum of amino acids from, I mean, from vegetable sources i mean that you know for example wholemeal flour is quite high in protein i think this is a little known fact i didn't Um, know that (laughs) tofu you know half a cup of tofu there's as much protein as there is in a pork chop you know um peanut butter sandwich is a complete protein because you're combining the proteins that are in the bread with the proteins that are in the nuts. Hummus is also a complete protein because it's tahini and chickpeas. There there are some some things like that, which are, oh, they're in a pot and they're a complete protein. But, you know, if you're eating vegetables, by the way, which all have a protein content too, vegetables, nuts, beans, legumes, seeds, you know, in, in variable quantities, you will be receiving enough protein and the full spectrum of amino acids. There's just no doubt about it. And I think the most interesting point to make, uh, if someone ever asks you this question, is that actually, in reality, you don't see protein deficient people in affluent populations. They just don't exist because protein deficiency is seen where there's food scarcity, basically. And that's because there's not enough food, not because there's not enough protein. So um, I think the protein question just needs to disappear completely (laughs) definitely um now iron you are iron now iron's interesting because my view is that iron deficiency is seen a lot in modern times due to the stressful lives that we lead. so my my view has changed a little bit over the years when i was younger i never took any kind of supplements at all but i do think that as you get older you're probably sensible to take some sort of iron multivitamin supplement just to be sure because we're not leading particularly restful lives. And iron is one of those things that if you do get depleted in iron, it has quite serious effects on your health. So but again, you know, you don't if you want to get iron from broccoli has, has a lot of iron in, for example, you know, green vegetables are very high and rich in iron.
0: Yeah. Nice healthy eating um, is the way forward, isn't it? Definitely. Uh, what about this one that seems to have surfaced a lot on social media lately? Plants have feelings too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, funny enough, I've heard that um, right since the early days, too. You? So, well, I mean, you know, there is a certain school of thought um, that will agree with that from a religious and philosophical perspective, too. And I do believe that within the Krishna movement, there's a little bit of a thing for chanting as you harvest your plants in order that they will effectively die on a, on a high note, you know. Right. So, I mean, yes, um, you know, you've got to think about treading lightly, it's that Titchenat Han thing about treading lightly on the earth of everything you do, you should sort of do in a mindful way. And that includes cultivating, growing, picking vegetables, you know, you don't go and wreak havoc in the, the veg patch. You know, you 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 take care with what you're doing. You think about it. Um and you know, if you think about a vegetable, um you know, you could create life from that as well, because tomato, for example. And I saw this the other day and I was like, this is so, so good. Um, you have your tomato you slice your tomato and then you plant a tomato slice one little slice of the tomato you plant it and then you just grow more tomatoes
0: oh that's amazing yeah
1: so but we, what are we doing going to the shop and buying seeds to grow tomatoes and yeah. you 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 have a tomato and just eat some of it and then plant some of it and then you just grow more tomatoes so that that's a kind of cycle of life isn't it that mm. everything you do you should be thinking about preserving life and continuation and so on
0: yeah That's a great idea. I'm going to do that. I could do that in some of my pots in the garden. Uh. Um, Yeah, I think one quote um, is that cows scream louder than carrots, isn't it? So, you know, Uh. (laughs) definitely prefer to be eating plants than than a living animal. Um, What about vegan food is processed crap? (laughs)
1: Um, Well, some vegan food is processed crap. However, I've actually been on a panel not so long ago and we were talking about exactly this thing. And actually, even though uh, a processed vegan burger is still processed and on the spectrum of healthy, the other food that we alluded to earlier in the conversation is on the other end. But a processed vegan burger is still healthier than a meat burger. So um, it's. Processed vegan food is not as healthy as unprocessed vegan food, but processed vegan food is still healthier than eating meat. That's the actual answer.
0: Yeah, brilliant answer. Um, Why do you want to eat things that look like meat if you're vegan?
1: Well, personally, I don't. Um, and a lot of vegans don't. But um, you know, people are doing this for different reasons. Now, if you're like me and you're doing it for the animals then you probably don't really want anything reminiscent of something from an animal. But a great many people are doing it rightly for environmental, sustainable reasons and possibly health as well. And I think for those people, I think, you know, having really good plant based substitutes is is massively helpful towards converting those people to more sustainable lifestyles.
0: Yeah it's kind of just the kind of the the recognizable format isn't it the burger the sausage yeah. the i mean i mean you can get everything now like my daughter had um vegan salmon the other day which was just incredible um yeah. very lifelike and it's just sort of nice knowing that it you know it's not harmed anything yeah um okay number 7 if we stopped eating animals there would be no more sheep and cows in our countryside
1: <laughs> well okay so um first of all uh, ruminants uh, are very much part of the ecosystem just generally animals uh, and we're not talking about farmed animals but just ruminants they just wander about the land and they're very much part of the fertility of the soil and, and the whole process really and when it comes to regenerative farming there are actually some farmers who are bringing back these kind of practices now where you're not breeding animals to feed but the animals just sort of live on the land and they're they're part of that whole kind of process. So I mean obviously things would change if we didn't farm in the same way that we are now. Um but you know not all um intense farming that that's not those sheep that you see wandering in the Lake District that's not they're not really the biggest part of the problem when it comes to animal agriculture. Um so I do think there's well i mean there's a big conversation going on around regenerative farming it's said to have excited farming world like like nothing in recent history so i hope that we are already sort of moving in that direction where it will become more normal just to see ruminant animals wandering around part of a uh you know the cycle of crops within a, an agriculture farm
0: mm. i think it's 70 percent of um of meat comes from factory farms in the uk yeah recently which is a massive amount I I know you know a lot of people sort of think oh what you know I I don't buy that sort of meat but actually if you're grabbing a quick I don't know ham sandwich from Boots or Pesco or wherever that's going to be from a factory farm you know definitely I think just because you might be sort of spending a lot on a Sunday roast joint of beef doesn't mean that the rest of the time you're not kind of actually contributing to the factory farming problem. OK, I well, this goes on to the next one. I only eat free range and organic, which is fine. The animals have a nice life.
1: <laughs> um, well, I mean, yes, it does follow on from the last question because, OK, so I know a farmer who regeneratively farms near Bury St Edmunds. And, you know, he's not vegan. They have the, the the animals are part of the kind of ecosystem of the farm. It's an organic farm. And yes, they do. They do kill the animals and eat them when they've sort of lived their end of their life. but you know i i that is definitely not what's going on um most of the time you know um you know i ultimately i'm pro choice i i don't think as right back to the first question we don't need to eat animals so therefore you know the the um kind of using animals for food is a really massively inefficient way of feeding anybody um so just for that reason alone i don't think there's any justification for it whether it's organic hand reared or or whatever massaged every day of its life you know you you still can't deny the fact that to produce x grams of beef is so much more co2 emissions than the same of tofu or peas or beans or something like that so you know you're going to have to kind of tackle those arguments at some point um you're not going to stop people from eating meat but i hope that most people will massively reduce their consumption of meat but i mean i think you know, animal welfare, I mean, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's all behind closed doors, like you correctly alluded to. It's like 70% of the meat is in a factory farm and you never really see what goes on there. So, you know, and, and like you say, you, you make what you have on your lunch table on a Sunday lunch, uh, but what you do the rest of the week, maybe you don't think about. But, um, but yeah, you know, th- there is a case for for eating some meat if it's reared properly um, in a way which is totally in harmony with the soil and with the land and all of that. Um, But I personally won't be doing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they all end up at the slaughterhouse at the end of the day. They they, they certainly do.
1: They all end up dead. Yes, you can't eat them until they're dead. So, yeah, I think people probably get away kind of lit themselves off the hook with that argument a lot and I think provenance is a big theme in hospitality right now so the provenance of your menu where the animals are reared and all the rest of it and I think it's a bit like greenwashing; it's the same kind of effect Mm. you know you are effectively just letting your customers off the hook by that stuff
0: yeah okay last question I've given you a proper grilling (laughs) you've done really well (laughs) um fish is healthy
1: Well, I believe fish is healthy. Yeah. Particularly raw fish. I believe that in terms of nutritional sort of kindness to the body, it it is pretty good. Yeah. But, but there's, there's, there's a whole ton of reasons not to eat fish though. Um, And again, it's all to do with intensive farming, isn't it? Yeah. If you're going to go and sit by the lake and fish and catch your fish and take it home and do the whole thing on it, then that, that, that becomes that choice. But we're not living in that world are we we're like overfishing like horrible toxins in the oceans fish getting caught up in all kinds of cycles of disease and it's not nice basically
0: it's shocking how much pollution the fishing industry causes as well because you know i think sort of going back sort of a few years everyone was up in arms about you know the picture of a turtle with a straw kind of stuck up its nose or whatever but actually like it's you know straws are a very small part in comparison to the amount of waste that the fishing industry causes so yeah even though like you say fish you know can be healthy as part of a balanced diet there are so many good alternatives including seaweed so yeah i don't know i love do you... seaweed yeah. i'm a big fan of
1: seaweed yeah definitely I love
0: seaweed where do you get yours from do you do you kind of have the nori wraps or
1: yeah just mostly dry you can get all sorts of different dried seaweeds now it's it's fairly it's become quite commonplace now
0: yeah, yeah. well thank you ever so much <laughs> that was a bit of a um quick fire round for you um but yeah, you're an activist as well as um, a founder of the restaurant, aren't you?
1: Well, it's funny actually. This activist—the second conversation I've had today about activism—somebody asked me these questions, and I sort of look back because I never really thought of myself as an activist. But then yeah. I guess I'm—I'm I'm an activist with delicious food. So I suppose I am an activist. It's just like people when they think of the word activist, they think it's um, you know a little bit more aggressive than that. I suppose. But yeah. I suppose, yeah, I've always been banging a drum about about veganism for like, 35 years now. So I suppose, yeah, that does make me an activist.
0: Yeah, well, I think food is the best form of activism, definitely. So, no, uh, definitely. Yeah, well, thank you for everything that you do. And um, I hope to see you at Stem and Glory one day in the future. Try those uh, fish tacos.
1: <laughs> definitely. All right, well, thanks very much for inviting me. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Louise.